You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name is Royal Howell, my co-host Terrence Hatchett. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have our brothers on the show, B. Taylor and Vince. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, fellas. You already know what time it is. Yo, we're good. What's happening? Glad What's good? Here. Man. Time Thanks for coming. Fellas just came back from vacation, man. They had a good time in Columbia. Um, you know, doing what boys do, man. Having a good time, drinking drinks. Yeah. You know, and other festivities that we won't talk about on the show but you know nope. you know i did you know i did say come back to you know, like vacation vacation yeah, vacation. So i ain't protecting none of that other stuff man you know what i'm saying so yeah my boy t i think t did t get wiped up over there i saw some pictures oh, bro, come on bro instagram come on, man come on dog <laughs> my boy t got a boo out there my name is t man all this juice t man all yeah. this juice. That boy T be low key. Don't let him fool you, though. (laughs) All right, back to the main menu, man. We got a lot of hot topics today in a short amount of time, so we're going to get right to it. Um, You know, boxing, they released their pound-for-pound top 10 fighters, uh, I believe, yesterday. They had Canelo Alvarez, uh, number one. Um, They had, I think, Bud Crawford on the list, as as well as Errol Spence. Um, You know, it was some several big fights announced over this past weekend, including – Manny Pacquiao, who's 42 years old, still has it, still has a little bit of gas left in the tank. He'll be taking on Errol Spence Jr. Um, Terrence Bud Crawford didn't like that the fight was made. Um, the announcement was made official, and he voiced his opinion on social media uh, about two days ago, saying that if he saw <laughs> if he saw the promotional manager out in the street, he wanted to break his neck. Um, there was also uh, Tyson Fury, who lost his arbitration. Um, versus Deontay Wilder. So that fight is definitely official. That will be taking place in Vegas. And then we also had uh, Caleb Plant, who went on social media saying that uh, he's ready for Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez, that is. Uh, he is seeking $10 million per year uh, for the purse. Um, that fight looks like it's going to happen. It's going to go down uh, sooner rather than later. Fellas, what is your most uh, anticipated fight coming up? We'll start with you, Vince. All the fights seem like real good fights to me. Um... Like I, like, I feel like the Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao fight got a lot of anticipation behind it. It's a lot of intriguingness behind it. Um, Manny Pacquiao, like you said, he's still he's still one of the best boxers in the sport, even at his age of 42. He's beating Keith Thurman. He's beating, you know, many great fighters. Um, and you got Errol Spence, who, of course, is undefeated, one of the best welterweights and in in, in best fighters in the welterweight division. I feel like that's going to be a real good one. Caleb Plant's been calling out Canelo, especially since the Canelo fight, you know, against um, who he fought, um, Saunders? Yeah, Saunders. Yeah. yeah, so he's been calling for that fight, so he got his wish now. So, you know, and then you know Canelo, he doesn't back down for anybody. So he's going to make that fight happen. Um, that's gonna be a, that should be a good fight as well. Um I think the Earl Spence and Manny Pacquiao fight is the fight that really has my attention for me because um, I'm favoring Spence in the fight, but I feel like Manny Pacquiao, he ain't no slouch. He's going to bring the fight to Spence. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Spence adjusts to Manny Pacquiao's hand speed and his agility in the ring and his combinations, you know, how he approaches the fight. If he approaches the fight, you know, giving some good body shots to Manny, try to slow him down. I think he could bring the, I think he could bring some and, and use his strength to his advantage. I think the fight can go his way. It's just like you said, like, I just got to figure out what style he's going to bring to the ring. You have two fighters that both like to apply pressure in the ring. Um, you know, Spence, he will walk you down like a dog. He goes after the body. He doesn't really care about getting hit in the head, even though he barely, rarely gets touched. But uh, he will walk you down in the ring. You know, Manny Pacquiao is known uh, for years, uh, I would say decades, of literally walking cats down in the ring, showing the brilliant hand speed. He has great foot speed, which can be, uh, you know, a worry for Earl um, in the past. You know, fighters, uh, specifically Sean Porter, um, who was a pit bull in the ring, um, his foot speed gave Errol Spence problems. Um, but at the same time, you know, we know style make fights. Um, B, let me get your opinion on the whole Tyson Fury, um, Deontay Wilder saga when Deontay took, basically he won through arbitration. So the fight um, with uh, Joshua and Tyson was placed on hold. Uh, Deontay does get his wish and get the fight with his, his revenge fight, uh, which he suffered his first life, first loss in his whole career, 42-0 and in one draw. Uh, that first draw came during the first meeting. Uh, we know it was back and forth. Some people thought that Tyson won. Some people thought that Deontay won. Um, he's gotten, you know, his corner threw in a towel last match um, in the seventh round. Um, he had blood coming out of his mouth, blood coming out of his ear socket. Do you give um, Deontay any chance at all in this third fight in Vegas? Um, you know, he's coming for revenge. Um, he has a lot to prove. Um, it's not just about a payday, but he wants to get his face back. That's his first loss in his boxing career. B, give me your opinion on the fight. Does Deontay have any chance? Man, I hope he has a chance, man, because I like Wilder. <clears throat> and that fight against uh, Fury last year, man, it was something embarrassing, bro. You know? So I hope he get his face back. I'm rooting for him. Um, I just think he got to become a better boxer, man. I think Tyson Fury just schooled him all throughout that fight. I mean, if uh, if Wilder can get his boxing skills back to where it needs to be, I think he has a chance. But Fury ain't no slouch, man. And he really showed me something in that fight. So I'm rooting for Wilder. I like Wilder. So I hope he does get his face back. It's going to be interesting to see. Ready to see that yeah. fight. Yeah. My whole thing is, can Wilder really, like, get his boxing together to get in that ring with Fury this third go around? Will it be enough time? Will he have enough? If he gonna keep, I, I, I'm pretty sure him and Mark Brilliant, they finished fitness, so he going with a new trainer. So now you gotta learn, learn new skill sets on top of, you know, him having that big powerful right hand. Is he gonna be able to master the skill sets in a short amount of time to be able to hang in there with Fury? Cause you know Fury bringing the box in. Mm-hmm. And then with the training that he has now, he bringing pops to his punches too. So it's like, you know, if he get caught slipping again, it could be really be over for him. Yeah, and then the Fury is already bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. He's about 50 pounds bigger than Wilder. So that's another thing we got to look at. Is Wilder going to come in bigger this fight, or is he going to come at the same weight? Because, I mean, we know he got that one punch, but it's more than that one punch. Because it's hard to catch Fury. Fury head speed is unmatched, man, for his size. So Fury, I mean, Wilder going to really have to box and get his skills together for this fight. It's going to be interesting to watch, for real. 
Terrence, once you add on to it, man, you know Tio uh, Tio Fimo Lopez today. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. He's been pretty active on social media. You know, uh, Josh uh, Taylor uh, won this past weekend at I believe 140, so he's an undisputed champ at 140. Uh, Tio Fimo said he would like to have a um, you know all belt all out war with Josh Taylor um, potentially at 140. You know, Tio Fimo is 135 undisputed. Josh Taylor is 140 undisputed. Um, that's look like that could be an intriguing fight coming up. Um, give me your opinion on that fight potentially. And does anyone stand a chance with Canelo in the ring? Canelo, it looks like, like we mentioned before in past podcasts, ever since that Floyd uh, teacher student lesson that Floyd put on exhibition, Canelo's like a totally different fighter, man. Um, he's worked on his technique, his head movement, specifically his defense has just been just unstoppable the, the fact that he can walk you down inside the ring and has a nasty left hand uppercut that would just lights out either hand he's dead he's he's dangerous with either hand give me your opinion on anyone having a chance with canelo does canelo need to move up and wait potentially does anyone have a chance with canelo inside the ring t give me your thoughts um well before i get to canelo i'm gonna get to tiafimo uh, so june 19th he's fighting cambosis at lightweight for the belts on Triller. Now, what Tiofimo does next can be interesting because Devin Haney is fighting also at lightweight this weekend. This mm-hmm. weekend. Also, another potential opponent for Tiofimo, uh, Tank Davis, is also fighting on June 26. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as lightweight and Tiofimo moving up, I would like to see him possibly unify the lightweight division, maybe, you know, see what happens with Tank Davis, see what happens with Haney, maybe possibly schedule a big fight after these fights in June. Um, You know, Devin Haney has a belt, Tank has a belt. Um, That lightweight division is one of the best divisions in boxing. Uh, Another underrated contender that could possibly fight Teofimo that's fighting on June 12th is Shakur Stevenson. Could he move up the lightweight he's at? Uh, junior lightweight right now. He's a guy that could potentially move up to lightweight. He has a big name. He's just, you know, his name after Tupac Shakur, and people know who he is. That's a guy you can watch for. As far as Canelo and who can possibly fight Canelo. So on June 19th, we have Jermar Charlo at middleweight as a guy who could possibly move up to super middleweight to fight Canelo. So, uh, some, a guy that a lot of people mentioned. I don't mm-hmm. know if he could be Canelo, but I think he could challenge Canelo. It'd definitely be an interesting fight. Um, mm-hmm. People mentioned Benavidez. Um, they mentioned uh, Canelo moving up to um, super, um, my fault, I'm blanking on division, but um, not uh, super middleweight, but division above it, light heavyweight, and possibly fighting uh, Artur Bidev as a guy that some people think could give Canelo problems. Um, David Benavidez, another guy mentioned. I mean, Caleb Plant, I don't think he can beat Canelo. I, just I don't see it. I watched Caleb Plant fight Truex earlier this year. He's a good fighter, but as far as, like, really beating Canelo, I wasn't impressed. I mean, Billy Joe mm-hmm. Saunders did some good things against Canelo for a couple of rounds. We saw Canelo just turn it up and bust his eye open and send him to the hospital. You mm-hmm. know, Saunders, they're talking about possibly couldn't – might not be able to fight again um, after that Canelo fight. I mean – you know, Saunders did some good things. He's a southpaw. And southpaws can be a little bit challenging for Canelo from what I've seen. But usually what happens is Canelo will figure you out. 
about halfway through the fight, and he just turns it up a notch, man. And for the people who are saying that Canelo fights bums, for the fighters that want to fight Canelo, Demetrius Andre, um, whatever, I mean, here's what they really want is the Canelo stimulus package. Because let's be real, Canelo put 73 in Jerry Jones Stadium in a pandemic, 73,000 people in Jerry World in a pandemic. Canelo is a big payday. Caleb Plant wants $10 million for the fight. I'm pretty sure Canelo can give it to him. You know, Canelo is pretty much like Floyd. He can pretty much put his fights on any network at this point. He's a free agent. He can do whatever he wants to do. He has that type of clout, that type of power in the game, in the business. And we know boxing is a business. But, I mean, as far as these guys that want to fight Canelo, why don't you fight each other first and really see who's really ready for that fight before you fight Canelo? Because, I mean, Charlo could be – I could possibly see Charlo giving him, you know, a good fight. I like Charlo. Andre, I don't really think that um, Andre's a guy that some people on YouTube have mentioned, but I just don't see it. Even Charlo said that Andre's a bum. He said it on um, on a YouTube, some guy's YouTube channel that Charlo, I mean, not Charlo, but Andre is a bum. Um, I just don't know. I mean, Benavidez, uh, Archer Bita, I mean, until somebody actually does it, I'm not betting against Canelo, but that's just how I feel about it. And not to mention that, you know, Canelo, they had a special on ESPN where a lot of people don't know that his last, I think his last fight um, prior to him, you know, busting the guy's eye out, um, his brother was kidnapped in Mexico. So um, he had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people didn't, didn't even know about it to the fact that he had to pay a ransom to his brother uh, from being kidnapped. And that's not to mention that, like you mentioned on the ESPN special, that it can continue to happen again with other family members. So he's just been um, on P's and Q's about, you know, just watching the surroundings, dealing with family issues, stuff outside the ring that could have an effect with you inside the ring. So um, not only is he dealing with family issues, but he's knocking these cats out. Like you said, T, he can demand whatever he wants, almost like Floyd used to do. Um, he's a boxing free agent, so he's going to get his money. He, he, he's an A fighter. There's, there's no B fighter with Canelo. Canelo is the A fighter. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is, man. And I really don't see nobody, even Charlo, I think Charlo can give him problems with his reach, but Canelo's type of fighter, like I said, his defense has just been grades above almost everybody in the sport right now, man. I mean, his defense is night night and days different from everybody else inside the sport of boxing, man. I mean, he just he works on the mechanics, and it's just like I don't see nobody touching Canelo inside the ring. I really don't. I, I, I honestly don't see nobody beating him ever again. That's crazy to say after what Floyd did to him, but I don't see nobody touching Canelo inside of the ring. I really don't. Nobody. We'll say yeah. real quick, real quick. Now, this is going to be down the road, but one mega fight that I could see, especially if Terrence Crawford's on some bullshit, I could see Crawford, <laughs> I mean, not Crawford, Errol Spence, excuse me, Errol Spence move up from welterweight to middleweight and possibly take on Canelo. Will they be at what, 170? I think 160, right? 160. Yeah, 160. Yeah, I think. Would you think that would be in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas. Jerry Jones? Listen, if Canelo Alvarez fights Errol Spence in Cowboy Stadium, it will do 110,000. Because Errol has all the people from Dallas, and Canelo has all the Mexicans. And you know that the Mexicans are definitely going to pack that joint out. And Errol has his people in Dallas that are going to pack it out. It's going to be a 100,000-plus fight. 
that's definitely something to watch out for possibly down the road. It probably won't happen this year. It probably sometime next year, depending on what happens. You know, Canelo wants to unify his division. Arrow's mm-hmm. trying to get that third belt so he can force his hand versus Crawford and make it a 60-40 fight. Because let's just be real. Terrence Crawford's a great fighter, but he's not a pay-per-view draw. Errol Spence is a pay-per-view draw. It should be a 60-40 fight as far as who gets the money. I don't know what I don't know what Crawford's waiting on. I mean, Crawford's struggling to get a fight right now. Right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree, fellas. Let's switch gears rapid fire real quick. Um, you know, the M- NBA has been giving out massive rewards the last several days. We know that we all believe um, Lamelo Ball, Charlotte Hornets point guard, will be the rookie of the year. Um, but there's somebody not too far away in Minnesota that has made a late push um, at the end of the season, um, regardless of his team being 26 games under 500 and Anthony Edwards. But Anthony Edwards, you know, he had, what, 19, 25-point games. Um, you know, he's playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, LaMelo Ball, you know, led his, t- led, his, led his team in, what, points, rebounds, and assists, 17th in steals in the NBA. Um, you know, he – Think what participated in about 61% of the games. Um, that's the second most since what Patrick Ewing in 1984-1985, who also won rookie of the year. So uh give me your quick response on your NBA rookie of the year. Let's start with you, Vince. Yeah, I have to go with Lamelo. Um, just on day one when he arrived in Charlotte, you know, the team just changed. Like just you know, the stardom that he brought to the team, it just carried throughout the season. And I feel like he brought a lot of confidence to them boys in Charlotte. He even had Rozier step up his game this year. Um, how he's able to distribute the ball, get his teammates involved, and also take over a game when need be. I mean, he has the complete package in terms of his offensive play and everything. So it's just only going to get better, you know, as he gets through, you know, his time in the NBA. But I just think rookie of the year-wise, I just had to give it to Lamelo, And then he had Charlotte you know, in the playoff hunt, and then Charlotte was right there for making it to the playoffs. It wasn't for that bad game they had against Indiana, you know, in the playing game. So I had to give it to LaMelo. B, uh, let's get your thoughts on Rookie of the Year, man. Um, is it to a detriment to Anthony Edwards that LaMelo missed so much time? I believe he missed, what, like 21 games? Um, does that have any type of effect on Anthony Edwards? Like, if you were Anthony Edwards, would you be salty or would you be in your feelings about you not – even being considered, you know, surpassing LaMelo. You play 72 games, you played the full season this year. Like, why should that affect you on your, you know, success under the Timberwolves organization where you had 19, 25-point games? Um, you know, your players a lot of times weren't participating in games. Um, you weren't really competitive in a lot of those ball games. You were 26 games under 500, um, mm-hmm. but you still produced on the court. You look like the future of the Minnesota Timberwolves. B, let me get your thoughts on, does Anthony Edwards have a argument, a valid argument on being considered NBA Rookie of the Year? He has an argument. It's because he put up the numbers. But as far as, like, the wins, if you look at Charlotte when Lamelo went down, they was number four in the East. When he went down, they dropped to the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you want to – to me, you got to impact winning. And Lamelo impacted winning. But Anthony Edwards does have an argument to make because he did put up the numbers, 19 points per game, um, he was putting on a dunk show. So he has an argument, but to me, he got an impact winning. And Melo was impacted winning too. So I think he's rigged the year hands down. And T, let me get your final thoughts on that same argument. We know LaMelo started this season coming off the bench, so he didn't necessarily have the green light to start the season as Anthony Edwards did. 
Um, but he's still the favorite uh, front runner to win NBA Rookie of the Year. T, give me your thoughts. Is LaMelo Ball confirmed Rookie of the Year in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, he has to be. Like you said, one, he impacted winning. Two, LaMelo put up the numbers. He averaged 16, 6, and 6. I mean, he was doing things. The youngest player ever to get a triple-double. Uh, I mean, I mean, he was doing stuff that like, guys that like LeBron James and Maddox Johnson and um, guys like that were doing. Plus, like you say, he impacted the team. I mean, the Hornets had no expectations going into the year, and they were the fourth seed in the East where we had all the injuries going down. And I truly believe if we hadn't had all these injuries to LaMelo Ball – um, Gordon Hayward, Malik Monk, uh, Rozier had some injuries. Devontae Graham had injuries. Miles Bridges had the color protocol. I mean, I think we would maintain at least being fourth or fifth in the East. You know, we'll be having 12,000 fans right now, not the New York Knicks or, you know, Atlanta Hawks, but, you know, that's another story for another day. But I will say this about Anthony Edwards. I'm very impressed with what he did this year. If the Minnesota Timbers were smart, they would make an Anthony Edwards team because he's the alpha on that team already, in my opinion. He's a dog. And we know Carly Towns isn't a dog. Like Jimmy Butler called him out a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to repeat what Jimmy Butler said, but Carly Towns is soft, bro. I'm sorry. He's soft. I don't think Minnesota's going anywhere with Carl Anthony Towns as the face of the franchise. I think they need to turn the keys over to Anthony Edwards and get D'Angelo Russell and um, Carl Anthony Towns up out of there, trade him, get what you can for him, and just build around Anthony Edwards because Anthony Edwards is a dog and definitely somebody you could build around. And it's going to be interesting to see how his career and LaMelo's career plays out. Um, when we look back at it, you know, four or five years down the road. So, speaking of LaMelo Ball, um, I believe the Hornets went with 21 and 20, 20 and 21 during his absence. The Hornets last year won 23 games total. So, they went 20 and 21 without him this during the injury, the wrist injury. So, that just shows the importance of not having him on the court. It was basically a three game difference between not having him on the court during the wrist injury of this season over winning 23 total games of all last season. So that's the LaMelo ball effect. I mean, it speaks for itself. Let's dive right in. Give me your most intriguing NBA playoff story right now. You know, we have the Lakers who just rebounded last night. Um, they shot with 31 free throws. Anthony Davis got called out after the game one loss of his poor play. He shot 21 free throws of the Lakers, 31 total free throws last night. Then we also have the Brooklyn Nets who just look unstoppable on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders. I think that's going to be a complete sweep. We also have, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell, who was upset with the Jazz for benching him, who, you know, he voices frustration. He will be playing going forward. Um, give me your thoughts on the most intriguing storyline coming from the NBA playoffs. Let's we'll start with you, Vince. Um, definitely has to be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I want to see how many wins they can get in a row in these playoffs. I mean, I look at the Brooklyn Nets like the old one Lakers. I mean, do they have a weakness on offense? I don't see it, especially when Harden coming back, man. It's just, you know, you match Harden, KD, Kyrie, and the rest of the boys on that team. Like, how, how far can they take it before they suffer their first loss in the playoffs? I mean, that's the most intriguing story for me. I mean, I have them as a favorite. I think the Lakers, you know, really could, you know, make a run for it with them. I, I, that's my NBA Finals matchup, Lakers versus Nets. You know, Brian and company versus um, KD, Kyrie, and Harden. You know, that's my finals matchup. Unless um, the semi sisters may have something to say in the East. You know, that could be an intriguing Eastern Conference match, finals matchup, Nets versus semi sisters. Um, but yeah, the Brooklyn Nets is my, like, my intriguing playoff story. I just want to see really how can they take it all the way and how many wins can they get in a row 
and whatnot, what's their final record going to be. If is it safe to say that Joe Harris may be the best shooter on that team? Oh, by Easily. far. Easily. By far. I mean, Joe Harris is getting warm-up uh, line shots. I mean, when you got KD and Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and then you got Blake Griffin who can be your point forward, I mean, it's easy to get create offense. I mean, wide open. I mean, literally wide open in Boston – is not a bad defensive team either. Even without Jalen Brown, I mean, they've been a team that's always been up there on defense. I mean, they're just getting wide open. Looks. You can't guard this team. It's going to be really hard to guard this team. The only way I can really see any team stopping Brooklyn, and don't sleep on the Bucks yet either. I mean, the Bucks look good so far versus Miami. They're, they're taking it right to Miami right now. Um, my storyline, though, is that team in L.A., and I'm not talking about the Lakers. Luka! <laughs> Hey, they need to call LA. They need to call Luca owns the Clippers, dog. Steve Barnes yeah. needs to give the, that that uh, franchise of Luca Dunkus right now because he's killing them boys. Like, Terry, I don't mean to cut you off. I I gotta get your thought on this because speaking of the Clippers, did the Clippers really tank games to get an easier matchup? Because it's been all throughout yes. the media that some people thinking that they didn't tank, they did tank, they were trying to rest their superstars. But hell, we played seventy-two games this season. Pan, pandemic P barely played this season, in my opinion, and Kawhi missed a bunch of games. I mean, like, did they really tank games to get a better matchup with Dallas and playing devil's advocate? If you're the Dallas Mavericks and you see a team tanking to get a better matchup with you, is that bulletin board material for you to come out and just bust them in the mouth? Absolutely, they were tanking. They did not want to see the Lakers in the second round, which is crazy because the Clippers actually match up versus the Lakers Fairly better. well, in my opinion, yeah, so. just from a roster standpoint and the way that their roster is shaped. And you form bad habits at the end of the year, and their bad habits have cost them in game one and game two. They have no extra Luka. They want to keep switching these pick and rolls and having Zubak or Pat Beverly on them. And, um, I mean, and then Tim Harbour Jr. stepped up. I mean, Dallas could sweep them boys. And that brings another question. Kawhi Leonard can opt out of his contract after this year. If they get swept in the first round, Kawhi Leonard will not be a Clipper next year. Trust and believe Book that. Book it. B, give me your thoughts, man. What's what's up? What's what's the most intriguing? Whatever T said, bro, that's my most intriguing, bro, because Luka, Luka is killing these boys, man, and I'm loving it too, bro, because I wanted to see, like I was telling T earlier this year, I wanted to see the Clippers and the Lakers in the first round. At three six or two seven, mm-hmm. but the Clippers ain't won some problems, man. But they got some problems on their hands because I mean it ain't just Luka. I mean Tim Hardaway stepping up, Porzingis is stepping up. Like they offense is just killing them boys. And you got the two best wing defenders in the league, as they say, in Kawhi and Paul George, like and Pat Beverly. Like what is y'all doing? Like Luka, he is just absolutely going off. Forty one points the first game, I think a triple dub. 39 7 and 7 last night. He was just absolutely killing these boys, man. That's my most intriguing storyline right now. Let's hit on the Phoenix Suns, man. Um, we all, you know, we all love CP3. Um, he's been a great ambassador to the game of basketball, but he seems to have the most um, not luck in the NBA playoffs when it comes to injuries. Um, he's dealing with a shoulder contusion, which is nothing to play around with. I had that back in high school, and it's almost like having playing with a broken collarbone, in my opinion. Um, do the Phoenix Suns have any chance heading to LA down? Um, you know, series tie one one. Um, some people thought that the defense performance on Devin Booker last night pretty much made them stagnant at times. 
um, but you had Cameron Payne step up last night. Um, but in Devil's Advocate, we had AD last night look like the best player on the court where he shot 21 free throws. I think he had like 29 points, uh, What I think what, 10 rebounds, something like that. I mean, like the Lakers, it was a must-needed win, in my opinion, in Phoenix last night, heading back to the L.A. This will be Anthony Davis' first official um, home Staples Center playoff game. You know, last year they played in the bubble atmosphere, so this is his first uh, playoff game in the Staples Center. Um, do the Phoenix Suns have any chance, at least still in one game, with a hobbled CP3 in L.A.? I'll, I'll start thoughts. this one off real quick because um, I think – if Chris Paul can at least be 75%, I don't think they play again until Friday, so they have some time off. I think they could steal a game in L.A. If Chris Paul is 75-8% functional and Devin Booker and some other guys stuff, I could see this going seven games, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, this is a tough matchup for the Lakers in the first round. Um, Phoenix is good, man. Like, they were the number two team in the West for a reason. But if Chris Paul is anything less than 75%, this could be over in five. Um, as far as the Lakers go, I feel like their margin for error this year is a little bit less than it was last year. Um, they missed guys like Dwight Howard, Rondo, JaVale. So their margin for error is slimmer, but with Chris Paul being injured, I just think they could squeak it out this series out and move on to probably face, let's see, they're seven. So they probably face either Denver or Portland, which I think Portland's going to beat Denver, uh, in my opinion. So, I mean, you get Portland second round. And then depending on what happens, you know, who, who they face in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think if the Lakers are going to lose before the finals, this is actually the series they, they're going to lose just mm-hmm. based on the matchup. And if Chris Paul, he has that experience. But if he's not 75-8%, then I think the Phoenix Suns are going to have a hard time. They might be able to steal one more game in this series. But it kind of takes a little bit of the luster off the series because I had this series going seven before he got injured. Yeah. Yeah, I had it going six before he got injured. I think they can still maybe one because Payne surprised me last night, man. He really did his thing last night because at one point the Lakers was up by eight in the fourth and then it got tied like that. So Phoenix can definitely still a game without CP3, without CP3 being healthy, but it's going to be hard. So I still got it going six, Lakers and six, but um, they can definitely make some noise. Devin Booker is no pushover. Aiton is nice. Payne is doing his thing. And my guy, Cam Johnson from UNC, hit two big threes last night. I know y'all seen that. So, Cam Johnson could definitely spread that flow for them boys, too. So, I think they got a chance in LA to steal one. Yeah, Vince, what do you think, Vince? Yeah, speak a little bit louder. Let me hear you now. Yeah, I was basically saying I agree with T. I feel like CP3 at 75, 80% healthy can still make the series, um, you know, convincing against LA. You know, CP3 does have that competitive edge to him. You know, he, he's all about winning and he's been in the league for as long as he's been. So he has a lot of playoff success. So, but without him being healthy, I think. You know, I think the Lakers can get them in five or six. That'd be a gentleman sweep, in my opinion. Uh, let's close it out. We got five minutes left, fellas. Uh, this week on the show, Undisputed on Fox Sports, uh, Shannon Sharp, um, a co-host alongside uh, former First Take co-host Skip Bayless, 
uh, were debating where Julio Jones, uh, Atlanta Falcons star receiver, should go. And on live television, Shannon Sharp called Julio um, on a cell phone and um, according apparent, you know, to reports, they said that Julio Jones didn't know that he was live on air. But uh, Shannon Sharp asked him, you know, where does he want to play next year? And Julio Jones pretty much said on national TV, hey, I'm out of there, referring to Atlanta. Um, and, you know, they asked him that he want to play in Dallas. Uh, was it fair or foul, in your opinion, seeing Shannon Sharp do that on national TV where he called him and say, hey, you know, where do you want to play next year? Not knowing that Julio Jones had no type of recognition that he was live on television in front of millions and millions of people, um, getting that type of feedback, kicking back to the organization. Was it a bad look for Shannon Sharp to do that on national TV? Or do you think that Julio Jones has some type of knowledge of the situation that he was on national TV and that, hey, he let an Atlanta Falcons organization know that you got to get me out of Atlanta. Like, I'm gone. I won't be returning. Was it fair or foul on Shannon Sharp to do that on national TV? Let's start with you, Terrence. Man, if Julio Jones didn't know, it's, that's foul. I mean, you got to, you know, hey, because going on the airwaves, so once it's on the airwaves, you know, it's out there. Now, as far as uh, where I can see Julio Jones going, if you're the Green Bay Packers and you want to make it up to Aaron Rodgers, you go get Julio Jones. Point blank, period. If you want to keep Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, go get Julio Jones. Make it happen. Do what you got to do. Atlanta's going to need a young quarterback. Trade Jordan Love, a first-round pick, and, and something else to get Julio Jones to Green Bay. But, I mean, in my opinion, if Julio Jones didn't know, it was foul. Vince? Yeah, I thought it was foul too. I, I think certain certain stuff should be kept private, especially when, it, when it's involving uh, a player of caliber of Julio wanting to go elsewhere. You just don't, you know, call him and bring him on the air. I feel like Shannon did that to bring extra attention, extra ratings to Undisputed in a way because, you know, everybody's going to be talking about this going forward. So, yeah, I think it's some foul into it, you know, so that's my opinion on it. And B, go ahead and close this out. Yeah, man, it was definitely foul. If he didn't know, I guess, yeah, that's that's foul by, by Shannon Sharp Park. But the team I would love to see Julio go to, I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't like this team. I like their quarterback, though, is the Patriots. So I want to see Cam get some more weapons out there, man. So if I'm Bill Belichick, I am calling up Atlanta. Hey, look, what do y'all want for Julio? Can you imagine Cam and Julio on the same team? Like, I don't it think was already, it was already being rumored up last season that it could be a possibility. So, yeah, if I'm Bill, I'm, I'm making that call. <laughs> Cam and Julio together. Yep. All right, fellas, we got two minutes. We got three games tonight. We got the Wizards versus the 76ers, the Hawks versus the Knicks, and we got the Grizzlies versus the Jazz uh, with Donovan Mitchell returning tonight. Um, give me your quick picks on tonight's winners. I'll go real quick. I'm going Philly. Washington's going to fight, but they just don't have enough. And Joel and B didn't really go off last game. I think he's going to have a huge game. I'm going with the Knicks to rebound. I think that's going seven games. Uh, two young teams who haven't been in the playoffs. I think it's a pretty even series. And then I think Utah, Donovan Mitchell is going to bounce back tonight. There's no way they can go down 0-2 going back to Memphis. Um, so that's what I'm rolling with. Vince, we got 30 seconds. Quick peek. Same, same. I feel like Donovan Mitchell bounced back. He's feeling the pressure. Going up against John Morant, I think it's gonna make it even, even kill in the series. Um, you know, I got 76ers beating Washington. I don't think they have enough firepower to deal with MB and the company. And what's the other game? Atlanta, New York. 
I got New York. I think New York's gonna bounce back with Randall and company. All right, BC, you got 30 seconds. Same, man. New York gonna tie it up. Philly gonna go up 2 0, and Jazz gonna tie it up as well. That's why I got it. So, that's it. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the Two Shades of Blue Carolina Blitz podcast this evening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, B and Vince, for joining us, man. Everybody be safe out there. Get vaccinated if you haven't. And I'll be safe, man. We love y'all. Later. All right.